standard issue for all women. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this week's episode of the Sunday Chops, which you are about to receive. I've got a bit of a cough, so I apologise for the state of my voice, unless you like that kind of thing, in which case, I mean, well, this is awkward, isn't it? I was lucky enough to catch up with Angie Thomas, the best-selling author of Young Adult Smash, The Hate You Give, now a major feature film, FYI, and her new book, On the Come Up. We chatted about the new book, about the experience of young, disadvantaged people in the US and indeed everywhere and why it's important not to condescend to teenagers. Also, I should probably just say, I really enjoyed the book, and I haven't read The Hate You Give yet, but I'm sure it's excellent. The film is very excellent, if you want to see it. It's probably the best thing I saw at the London Film Festival last year. And it also taught me the true meaning of thug life, which actually means something. Who knew? Google it. Oh, it's been a while since I made a gratuitous urban music reference. I absolutely loved chatting to Angie, and I really hope that you enjoy it. Hello, Mickey here. Sorry to interrupt your listening pleasure, but I just thought, as you're having such pleasure listening, you might be up for helping us out in making more content that champions women. That's easy to do. You can just bob along to our Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash standard issue, and any spare bunch you might have found in your pocket down the back of the sofa, feel free to chuck it to us. Much obliged. I'm joined by the best-selling author of The Hate You Give and now The Come Up, Angie Thomas. Hi, Angie. Hi. On The Come Up is your second novel, and it's young adult fiction, and that was published in February. And can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. Um, On The Come Up is not a sequel or a spinoff to The Hate You Give, but it is set in the same neighborhood, and it's about a 16-year-old girl named Brianna who wants to be a rapper. And Bree's life is turned upside down when one, her mom unexpectedly loses her job, and two, a song she makes goes viral for all the wrong reasons, and she finds herself in the center of a controversy too big for her to control and being portrayed as someone she's not. But as her family situation gets worse, she's desperate to make it, even if it means becoming the very thing everyone's made her out to be. An excellent summary. In the book, Bree's a female character, but that isn't the thing that holds her back, as it were. So she's, there's a lot of like obstacles that she faces, but being female isn't one of them. It's sort of changing a bit, the world of rap and hip-hop. We've got the likes of Cardi B and Nicki Minaj, both name-checked in the book. But it's very much a male-dominated industry. Why did you decide to write it that way? Well, you know, there are times where Brie feels like she doesn't get the same amount of respect she probably would if she were a guy. But, and still, she still pursues this and it's still something she goes after and it's still something in which doors of opportunity are open to her. And I wanted to show, though, that while, yeah, at times young women don't get the respect and we don't see nearly as many of them, they should still be given that opportunity as well, you know. Um, We are seeing some changes, but not enough changes in hip-hop. Like, you mentioned Nicki and Cardi and I love what both of them are doing but you know often people pit them against each other and makes it seem as if there can only be one at the top and and that's not okay considering how many male rappers there are and no one's making them feel like there can only be one so that's definitely something but I really wanted to show this young woman who has to determine who she is and not let even hip hop do that for her she has to define herself and and that's really the big message of the book is defining yourself so even though it's told through her story with hip hop it's hopefully a message that will resonate with all young people. One of the themes in the book really I guess is sort of expectation and aspiration as well I suppose so she's written this song and some people are sort of saying to her 
well, this is what people expect of you anyway as a young African-American teenager. So as long as you're getting paid, who really cares? And then others are saying, well, why are you giving people an excuse? It sort of links to exploitation or appropriation of black culture. Did you mean to touch on that? Yeah, absolutely. I wanted to touch on especially the the way it's exploited and and the way that hip-hop has been used as a weapon to not only fuel stereotypes but create more stereotypes you know hip-hop gets a bad rap you know pun intended (laughs) and there are these certain images that are expected from young people in hip-hop but these are also images that young people take on and feel that they have to do in order to make it and so I really wanted to talk about that and how at times even though hip-hop is supposed to be something it's supposed to be a voice it's supposed to be a weapon it's supposed to be a force for positive change oftentimes the machine known as the music industry may makes it seem as if you have to fulfill a certain image in order to be successful. And so I really wanted to discuss the message that's sending to young people and hopefully make people think about these young people who are rappers, who we often write off and who we often um, make assumptions about. At the end of the day, a lot of them are still young kids who are simply trying to make it, and they're trying to make it by falling into the machine and, and following the image and the path that has been set out before them that apparently leads to success so it's it it all goes hand in hand the image that has been created leads to more of those images being created so one of the things i was interested in is obviously she as we said she faces a lot of barriers and she's trying to make it because she sort of needs to for her family really or at least she feels some sort of responsibility to do that and her brother is sort of saying to her, you know, we'll just stay in school. And why did you decide to make her aspiration to be a rapper or in hip hop rather than like a doctor or a lawyer? Well, because for so many kids, that's what they want to be. And the reason that's what they want to be is because that's what they see. And that's especially what they see as someone making it who looks like them and who's from a community like theirs. When I was a teenager, I wanted to be a rapper. And the main reason was because that's what I saw people like me doing and doing successfully. I did not see doctors and lawyers come to my old neighborhood saying I was from here and I made it and you can do it too. I saw rappers saying that and doing that and I saw them on the television. So that's what it's like for Bree. That's what she sees and and, and that's what she connects with and, and that's that seems like the quick or not necessarily quick but that seems like a sure way to success. So that's what it's like for a lot of young people and that's why they pursue it. We're talking about the barriers that Bree's up against. How representative do you think she is of the average young African American and and how much of this is sort of based on your own experience? I think that she represents a lot of young people. I wouldn't say every young black person or African American, but I would say a lot of them. Um, uh, so for me, I think she represents, not in the sense of just being a rapper, because, you know, I wouldn't say that there's a whole lot of kids who want to, although there are, but still, I would say in the sense of she's this young person who's very driven, and sometimes she's a little misguided. She guides herself in the wrong direction, but she's very passionate about what she believes in. She's very passionate when she speaks. She's very passionate about helping her family, and that drives her in so many ways, and I think that's the same for a lot of young people, but also a lot of assumptions are made about her. People assume before she ever opens her mouth, and I think that's the case for a lot of young African Americans, so I think they'll connect with that, if nothing else. But I also think that, well, I hope that it tells them, too, that even though the world is going to make assumptions about you, at the end of the day, you're the only one who can divine your so it's definitely, I hope, a love letter to those
those kids who often feel like they're both too much and not enough and never in between. Both your books, The Hate You Give and this book as well, they're pretty gritty and sort of hard-hitting. You know, there's, there's gangs, there's drugs, there's murder, there's like police brutality. To what extent do you feel like stories need to be sort of quite gritty in order to still resonate with young people? Well, I think the main thing is to be real and authentic and, you know, understand that not every experience is the same experience, but we have to keep it honest with kids. Um, That's what they want. Teenagers especially, they can sniff out fakeness a mile away and they can sniff it out and they don't appreciate it. They want us to be honest with them. So that means sometimes showing incidents and situations that make adults uncomfortable, you know. So I I think that we we have to be real with them. There's a difference between protecting them and sheltering them. And if we continue to shelter them, especially from either experiences that are not like their own or even experiences that are their own, if we're not showing them these things and helping them process it a little better, then we're failing them. Because we're either going to end up with adults who are unaware of lives beyond their own and, and the trials and tribulations that a lot of other people go through or we're going to have young people who feel as if they aren't being seen and they aren't visible and they aren't being heard and that their lives don't matter and that their stories don't matter so I think we we have to give them authentic experiences even when it makes us uncomfortable hey there people of London and the surrounding areas Anyone who's been paying attention will know that we've moved to a new London venue, King's Place, and a super venue it is too. We'll be back there on April the 18th with Helen Lederer, and again on May the 19th when we'll be chatting to she of Best Newcomer nomination at last year's Edinburgh Fringe, Sindhu V, and the legendary Catherine Tate. Am I bothered though? Actually, yes. Yes, I am. For info on this and all our shows, keep your beady eyes on our rather charming new website, www.standardissuepodcast.com. You kind of touch on that in the book as well with the reaction to Bree's song within the sort of wider community of the, of the school that she's at. Do you get any kind of reaction to the stuff that you've written? Yeah, actually, that whole storyline was inspired by what I went through with The Hate You Give and, yeah, and the censorship attempts on it back in the States. You know, there were some school districts that banned the book. A police union spoke out against the book being on the summer reading list, all of these sorts of things. So that was kind of my response to all of that and, and, and just understanding what it means to be a young person, specifically a young black person in America, when freedom of speech isn't necessarily free for you. You know, um, I, I look at a lot of situations recently. I look at things that our president has said, and I just think if a young black person in a position of power said that, it would be the end of their career quickly, you know. So we aren't given freedom of speech. There's always an assumption made about us that doesn't allow people to even listen to us. And I saw that happen with The Hate You Give. There was an assumption because it was an anti-police brutality book that it was anti-police. And then there were assumptions that because there were bad words in the book that it was something that shouldn't be read. So all of these assumptions led to people writing the book off or censoring it and and what does that mean what does that tell even my readers who see themselves in these stories and who connect with them what you're basically saying is we don't want to hear your stories because they make us uncomfortable and so hip-hop has dealt with that too and it just felt fitting to address that in this book through hip-hop because it's a medium that's faced that as well so the hate you give it's a film as well, uh, which I saw during London Film Festival last year, and it was—it's pretty powerful. I cried most of the way. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. 
No, it's really, really good. Have you sort of got half an eye on what might happen with this book? Yeah, yeah. We are currently in the early process of making it into a film with the same team. So Fox 2000 is producing it along with Temple Hill Productions and State Street Productions. Um, And George Tillman Jr., who directed The Hate You Give, is directing it it as well. But this time around, I get to be a producer, so I'm really excited about it. Um, We're in the early stages, so no, I can't cast anyone yet. Um, I don't think I'll even be overcasting, but we're in the very early stages now. But I'm excited about what's to come. I'm excited as well. So the character in the book, Brianna, she's from a very disadvantaged background and you're telling her story. To what extent is this book pitched at the same demographic? It's definitely, you know, it's definitely pitched for them. Um, It's definitely by someone who dealt with that themselves to an extent and it's for them. You know, I really want kids who are going through this to pick up this book and not only see themselves but to feel validated and celebrated and then too to feel normalized. You know, kids who are living in poverty, they often live in shame, you know, and and they feel ashamed to discuss it, ashamed that they even live like that when I want them to know, no, it's not okay but you're okay. The circumstances may not be okay but it's okay that you exist it's okay that this this happens this is not it's it's not okay but it's not abnormal it's nothing to be ashamed about it's beyond your control and I hope that they pick this book up and feel that and they feel inspired by Bree's story so it's definitely for those kids you know it's it's hard you know it's a little tricky at times because the whole thing is you know it's a book that they'd have to possibly buy or request at a library and that makes it hard but I hope that somehow it can get into their hands. And also, how important do you think it is that people from other backgrounds read something like this? It's definitely important. You know, I think about poverty a lot and how we we don't humanize poverty enough. We talk about statistics and numbers. We rarely talk about people. And I think it's important that, you know, people who aren't in these types of circumstances read these books so that they can get a better understanding. You know, when we talk about people who are in poverty, a lot of times the response is, oh, they should just get a job. Oh, they should just work harder. But you don't understand the circumstances. Circumstances. And a book like this can hopefully help even those people understand the circumstances a bit a bit more. I'm a firm believer that empathy is more powerful than sympathy, and I think books are a great way to create empathy. I don't know how aware you'll be of it. I guess I think it did make sort of global media, and obviously you're in London at the moment. Have you heard much about what's been happening in London with what people are calling a surge in youth crime and violence? Uh, yeah, I heard about that. I heard about the uh, surge in the supposed surge in knife crimes. And stuff and someone was saying to me that it's interesting to them that knife crimes have always been um, affecting impoverished communities but no one was talking about it until it started happening in the not so impoverished communities you know in the nice areas so that's that's always interesting things that's an interesting part of society I look at is similar to the opioid crisis back in the United States. Opioids have been affecting specifically um, communities of color, impoverished communities of color, for decades, but nobody was talking about it until it started affecting the moms driving the minivans in the suburbs. You know, <laughs> that's when it became a crisis. So um, it says a lot about us as a society that things don't matter like this until they start affecting people of privilege. And when it affects people of color or poor people, it's not an issue so what does that say about us so what do you wish you'd known when you were 16 oh I wish I'd known my value when I was 16 Um, I wish I'd known the value of my voice the value of my opinions 
and I wish I'd known that it would be okay when I was 16. When you're 16, 16 16-year-olds are dealing with so much in so many different ways, especially nowadays with social media and everything. There's so much pressure from so many different directions. And for me, when I was 16, I was dealing with a lot. Like, my family was going through financial hardship. I was dealing with um, mental stuff and depression and things like that, and I did not know if it would ever be okay. So I wish 16-year-old me knew that it would be okay, that this is not the beginning or the end. This is barely the beginning of your life. You have so much more to do, so much more you can do. And I wish that 16-year-old me knew the power that resided inside of me. You know, um, teenagers nowadays, they're understanding it a bit more, but specifically young women, we're always made to feel as if we're powerless or if we don't matter or if we're this and that. You know, I look at me and the fact that I write young adult literature and young adult literature is often written off because they're like, oh, that's for teenage girls. But teenage girls are powerful because teenage girls, one, they have power right now, but they grow up to be powerful women so can we celebrate them now those same girls who scream over pop stars are one day going to be in powerful positions so celebrate them now so I wish that 16 year old me knew just how powerful I was if 16 year old you could ask any question of an older person what would you have asked I think 16 year old Angie would have asked an older person what are you doing to change things for me What are you doing so that I won't have to be a first? What are you doing so that the world will look different for me than it did for you? So I think that's what I would have asked. (laughs) The book is is excellent. I'm really enjoying it. It's available now, I presume, in all good bookshops and indeed online. What's next for you? Are you focusing on the film? Yeah, that, and I'm working on my third book at the moment. Um, I can't say a lot about it, but I will say it is also set in Garden Heights, but it's not a sequel to either book. However, the main character is someone that my readers will already know. Ooh. (laughs) Oh, my mind's racing now. (laughs) Angie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Hello, me again, just bobbing in quickly to say I was fangirling so hard at the end of this interview that I actually forgot to ask Angie where you can find her on social media. Tut tut. So, for your information, Angie can be found on Twitter at Angie C. Thomas, as in the letter C, on Instagram at Angie Thomas, and her very own website, AngieThomas.com. And in case you're interested, we're back on Wednesday with more Podzini goodness when Mick will be chatting to Daisy Buchanan about her new book, The Sisterhood, and Hannah and I chat to best-selling author Sophie Hannah about holding a grudge. Hilarity will indeed ensue. Hello, Hannah here, constant interrupter. Just wanted to let you know that if you like what we do, you can help us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. It really does help, especially if you give us five stars. Did that sound threatening enough? Give us five stars. Standard issue for all women.